I want to say that it's a great honor and a privilege. I want to thank the elders at Rockport uh, for giving me the opportunity to be able to share and give this talk this morning. Um, fair warning, it's not your typical camp message and uh, your you know, typical sermon. Um, if you are the kind of person that really thrives sitting in a university with a well-detailed outline and a well-programmed schedule, um, you might be a little distracted during this time, okay? If you struggle with attention deficit disorder, this might be right up your alley. So I, I hope to maybe even strike a little balance and speak grace to both personalities, right? So um, may God help us to walk in wisdom in all things in life and especially now as we turn our attention to standing firm against the power of social media. Amen? It seems reasonable uh, to believe that for some this topic could be quite a bit controversial, uh, could be upsetting, uh, there's a lot of people with that have a lot of different opinions about the use of social media, its impact, and so forth. And so I want to begin with some clarification. I think it's very important for all of us in all things to not draw hard lines where the Scripture does not draw them. Okay? It's very important that we do not take on the role of the Holy Spirit. It's very important also that we do not uh, condemn things that the Bible does not necessarily condemn. Uh, So I'm going to, with the Lord's help, um, not do that here today. Um, It's also very important that you and I do not cast off all restraint and say we can do whatever we want to as long as it's not illegal or as long as it doesn't harm somebody or I can't see it. You and I are not just free to roam around and do whatever we want without a care in the world, without considering what kind of impact this might have on somebody else that's around us. I would hope that all of us here today would agree that the law of God... The law of Christ compels us to serve one another and that means putting aside our own desires and wants at times for the good of others that are around us in service and in love we submit to one another and sometimes that causes us to adjust our diet, our schedule, our speech, everything because our desire should be to honor God, to serve the Lord by serving one another. And I would hope that we could all agree to that. If not, I would encourage you to refer back to the Scripture on that one. The Lord calls you and I to die daily to ourselves and to our own agenda and to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, before we tackle this uh, topic and we look at Colossians 4, verses 2-6, through 6, so if you want to turn there, that's that's where we're going to land in just a second. Colossians chapter four. 
verses 2 through 6. I want to say a few other things about this. Um, I don't want to pretend that this standing against the the power of social media, I, I don't want to pretend or put forward that I do this well. I don't want you to think that we could cover this exhaustively because we won't be able to do that this morning. You're already cold and shivering probably and you're wondering when you can get out there and start playing games. And some of you all didn't sleep well last night or sleep at all. So uh, some of you might check out and fall asleep. Some may think, well, you know, this is irrelevant. I, I don't really fall victim to the, the classic things that you might talk about here today. I'm not into porn. I'm not into looking at sites that I shouldn't look at. This doesn't really apply to me because after all, you know, like, I'm quite content. I got my notification from Westminster Theological Seminary about the new David Pallison devotional book. That's the kind of stuff that I look at. There's a shameless plug. I think that would be a great devotional book, by the way. Check that out. Um, I did get that notification through email. Not not on social media, but uh, that might be a good thing to check out. You you might be like, I'm good. I, I, I got my Chick-fil-A coupon. Um, I know that I can go stand in line over here and get free meals and all of that stuff. That's the kind of stuff that I look at. Um, I look at Deuteronomies, if you know what that is. If you don't know what that is, they, they are pretty funny. All right? I confess. I don't look at them, but Olivia tells me about them, right? I look at them when she's like, hey, look at this. Um, but nonetheless, I really hope that this, uh, this will be helpful and faithful and true. So Colossians 4, uh, 2-6 through says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person." So let's pray together. Lord, would You help us today to hear what You would have us to hear, that wisdom might be applied to all of life, that Your church would be edified and that You would be glorified is our heart's desire. Amen. So, at the beginning of this passage, um, there are... You know, three things in verse two that I think is just really timely for all of us to remember. Um, the man who wrote this is saying to continue steadfastly in prayer. That's the instruction for all the believers that are getting this. Basically, he's saying, don't give up while you're praying. Don't give up. And to be watchful in it. And Rob and I were talking around the fire last night. Um, that's not something necessarily that we talk about a lot in reform circles, right? That when we pray, Paul is telling people, expect God to do something. 
we were talking about some people that we've that we've been praying for, and I say, you know, Rob, I I think this person is not a believer right now, but I believe the Lord is going to save them. I'm just watching for it. I can't wait for the day. And the Lord calls you and I to to persevere in prayer and to expect God to hear our prayer and to be watching for it and waiting for it. Not just to simply go through the motion of prayer, but to be uh, steadfast in it, watch and expect the Lord uh, to respond and then to be thankful in it and to be happy about what God is doing around us. These are reminders for us not to give up. And Paul specifically is here talking about praying, asking the church to pray that God may open a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which He's in jail. So the words that He said, the Gospel that was proclaimed, the truth that was proclaimed, ended up him being, he didn't drop his sword as Jason was explaining last night. He held on. I thought that was such a beautiful illustration. Don't drop the weapon. Hack the enemy's head off. I love that. I'm so glad. Jason, I don't know if you're here, but uh, what a great illustration last night for that. I, if you didn't listen to it, I hope you get the opportunity to listen to it. And that ended up with Paul in prison. But Paul's desire constantly was, wherever he was, pray that you might have that opportunity, that open door to communicate the Gospel with others. And so, how does all of this apply to social media? Well, so here here we go. I want to ask a question for people just to think about. Paul says here in verse 5, for you and I to conduct ourselves wisely toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Alright? It's not unfair for us to ask the question, is the use of social media the best use of time. Or you might ask, is the use of social media worth it? Alright? Let me go back to the very beginning. I'm going to say several things, but please, if you leave here saying, well, Aaron told us that God is against social media and we all need to go delete our accounts and all of that, then you misheard what I'm saying. Um, I'm just asking for us to think about what we're doing. It's good for you and I to reflect on what we do and why we do it. All right. So I have a friend who's uh, Episcopalian. If you don't know what that is, that's fine. Um, the kids are like, "What did he just say?" And uh, I know some of you all are you're you're you know what that is but so he's from a different church than what you and I belong to and he's older than me uh wiser in many ways and uh we were talking about things and we were talking about plans and what we're going to do and and how we're going to do them and how we're going to carry out these plans and this guy uh, started asking me well why are you going to do that 
And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, why? And I would give him an answer, and then he would say, okay, why? And I would, I'd give him an answer, and I would... And he would say, but why? You haven't answered my question. Why would you want to do this? And I, I almost got the impression he was angry with me because he was so insistent with his interrogation of why. And, it, you know, and he was forceful with it, but he was on the same page as me. But he wanted me to be able to put into exact words why I wanted to do that. And, I mean, it got on my nerves. It made me angry. I wanted to hit him. But I thought, maybe the right hand of fellowship upside the head to this older gentleman is not the quite biblical response in this uh, scenario. But I would ask all of us to maybe spend some time thinking about, of course, in all things... But to ask ourselves, why do we need, or do we need? Need is probably one of the most misused words in the language. But why do we feel like we need to be on social media? That's a fair question. Do we need to? Can we clearly articulate to somebody else why we're on social media? And what is our motive? And many people say, well, it's really to stay connected and it's to stay connected with loved ones, with family and friends. But the question should be asked, is that really what we use it for? Really? Is there evidence to support that's what we're doing with it? Why do we use social media? Could it be that we use social media maybe because we have too many commitments and we can't find time to have real and personal ways to make connections with others so we then decide to become virtually connected? Do we find convenient ways to exchange words with other people and we end up forsaking gathering together in real personal face-to-face ways? Now, I was telling some people in our cabin today um, that this topic really can offend a lot of people. And I, the purpose is not to be offensive, but maybe hopefully we can have some conversation. Folks, I don't think um, as a society and as Christians, I'm not picking on Rockport here, that we weathered the COVID-19 situation well. I think there is a prevailing thought that being virtually connected with other people through a video screen is the same as gathering together with one another. And it's just not. It's not the same. That's not how God designed human relationships to flourish. It's through a video screen. 
Now, I'm not against Zoom meetings. I'm not against, you know, if you have a fever and you're coughing and you're hacking and you're vomiting, please don't come to Rockport on Sunday. Serve the Lord by serving your brothers and sisters by staying at home and praise God you can watch the sermon from there. But don't believe the lie that you can flourish in a human relationship from behind a screen. Now, I know that some people will be upset with me for saying that. And some might be upset for not taking that further. Okay, But there is a difference and we shouldn't cut corners whenever it comes to something so important as meeting together and being with one another and communicating with one another. The other thing is, you and I need to be aware that there, make no mistake, the companies that run social media platforms, they have a motive. And they're not ashamed about it. Their motive is to make money. Alright? And lots of it. So much. Now get this, this is funny. You and I that have social media accounts, we are the product that they're selling. Like, you know, when you go to the store and you're like, oh, here's some cereal and here's the, the booberry that's made its comeback and all of that, and you're like, that's really good, but it's not as good as Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Or, you know, you, you, that's a product that you get off the shelf. Somebody makes it, you buy it. Well, the social media companies like Facebook, Snapchat, all of that other stuff, they're selling kind of just like a box of cereal or something like that. Um, They're selling that, but the difference is they're selling you and they're selling me. And they sell us to companies so that they can control what we see and what advertisements we get. Now get this, they're making so much money now, some of the kids are like, I can't follow you. Some of you that are like into business really get this. They're so good at this that you and I will pay them, not just our attention span, but we will promote or boost or whatever our tweets or whatever it is so that other people will see it and we can get more likes and all of that stuff and get the dopamine rush in our brain. We'll actually pay them to sell us. That sounds really weird. But we don't think that in those terms. But that's exactly what they do. So they control what you and I see. They control um, what goes out there. And you and I aren't even thinking about it. And get this. Social media, they know, just like the news knows, what sells. So they will fill your feed with all kinds of stuff that they think that you like and also very controversial, provocative, or even pornographic type materials. Very subtly, enough to get your attention so that you click like, and then they build this whole profile of you and try to get you to come further and further. I'm telling you this because this is something you and I need to be aware of. There is an enemy to our souls out there, and I'm not saying it is Facebook, okay? And kids are like, Facebook is for old people. You know, like, what is that? You have to be at least 50 to be on Facebook. But 
there is an enemy to our souls that wants to draw us in to something. Okay, please don't leave uh, Mark Zuckerberg or whatever his name is is not. You know, I'm I'm not. I don't know him. Okay, I don't know anything about him other than I've heard his name and I probably mispronounced it. But the point is this: these companies are selling you and me. We pay them to distract us and to rob us of our time and attention, to rob our time and attention from our kids, from our spouses, from your co-workers, from your lost neighbor, from your lost family members. They, we pay them so that they can distract us. And then not only do they distract us, but they change our mood. Right? How many people have been scrolling through... Now, it's kind of dangerous for me to ask this because there is going to be the Deuteronomy following, you know, virtual unikitty person out there that's going to prove me wrong. But how many times have you actually, truthfully, spent a lot of time on social media and afterwards had great feelings of encouragement? <laughs> Like, you you thought, man, why didn't I do this two days ago? Because now that I've spent two hours of looking at reels, I feel so much more in love with the Lord, in love with my neighbor. I'm encouraged. No. In fact, you feel the exact opposite. Because those companies know what gets our attention and all of us like there's, there's a real wickedness that prevails in the flesh that we enjoy. We enjoy terrible news. We enjoy failure of others. We like to talk about it. We like to be the first one to have the news to tell other people. So that's why breaking news. You get the, the, the tweet from Fox News that says, Oh, this just happened. You get the, you know, you get the text message that says, Go here and look at this. Now, breaking. You know, they want your attention. They want to be the first one to tell you the terrible news. Right? And sadly, as Christians, and I'm going to say as Reformed Christians, it sure seems like we are some of the worst at getting sucked in to mindless controversy. And we just waste all of this time. And so these companies, they sell this to distract us and all of that. And now thankfully, there's, there's places like I think it's Jennings School District in the St. Louis area. They've now banned cell phones. They've just, they've determined that if a person is going to actually learn, they need to lock up their device. They can have it back at the end of the day because it's too distracting. And suddenly they're like, can you imagine? Everybody's paying more attention in class. We're actually having real dialogue about the subject. We're actually talking with one another. There's more eye contact. There's fewer drama and uh, there's less drama and disputes among students. What a concept that we're actually treating one another as humans instead of as robots. Okay, so that's off topic. That's, that's another thing. But 
Here's something very sad, okay? By nature of my job, a lot of times I deal with, with minors who have been, oftentimes they've been locked up in a jail cell because of something illegal they've done. And over the years, this may surprise you, it may not. But could you imagine somebody, if you're a minor, could you imagine somebody having to take you away from your parents because of something you've done? It would be horrifying. You would be really scared. Like, what is going to happen? But do you know, it breaks my heart to tell you this. Most of the kids that end up getting locked up, they're not so worried about being away from their family. The thing that worries them the most is being away from their phone. And they will tell you that. I'm telling you this, folks, because this is an issue. And as parents and as as church members, we've got to be aware that this is not a neutral topic. Right? This is this is something we've got to be aware of. And the kid, it's very interesting because I've I've sat and actually watched people being separated from their devices and go through withdrawal much like a heroin addict will go through withdrawal when they don't get drugs. That's because there is a chemical in the brain that they are doing without and it is a very real withdrawal. And you and I may not be aware of the impact that it has whenever we make a cute post or we post a great picture. It could be a great, beautiful picture of here. And then we incessantly go back to see how many likes it has. Did anybody share it? And then, or, and, and immediately you begin to feel differently based on that. You either feel happier or you feel sad. I wonder why somebody didn't see this. Well, they shared this person's post. They didn't share that person's post. Or as Americans, we this is one of the greatest questions in Mexico. Now, now a lot of Mexican people actually do this as well. They were like, Aaron, I've got a question for you. Whenever I before I met Uriel, they were like, Why do Americans post pictures of their food? Why do they do that? I still wonder. I know. I still wonder, right? There's going to be pictures of the the you know dinner one night here probably. You're like camp food. It's great, you know. Uh, but we do that for some reason. But you know what? Whenever you look at that and you've got your phone and you're scrolling through and you see, oh man, man, everybody. They always seem to be on the beach. They always seem to be happy. They always seem to be, you know, life is just good for them. I'm going to just tell you, it's a lie. Right? It's just a lie. Um, nobody's life is like that all the time. Usually whenever people are posting like that, it's because they're really struggling inside and so they're trying to feel better about themselves. Not always, right? You never see people post the tragic... Well, sometimes I guess people do. But the point of that is, here's something shocking. You ever notice like around that you ever hear about the fact that there's a growing number of people that are suicidal, that are just so broken, they really struggle with this? Here's something. You can go Google this. Don't take my word for this. Well, don't take Google's word for it. I mean, you can, you can go look around and do your own research. And there's a lot of people, Christian and non-Christian, that recognize this. 
the amount of time spent on social media directly impacts the feelings of depression and suicidal ideation. Yes. For the very reasons you and I have just discussed. Yes. Now, again, I'm not saying go delete your accounts. Maybe you need to do that. But I think it. we should ask, is it worth it? Is it the best use of time? This might make some people angry to even use this analogy. But I was thinking about this, and I'm thinking about what I'm about to say. There's people with varying degrees of opinion here, okay? I don't believe you can find in Scripture the prohibition of consuming alcoholic beverages. Okay? But you will find throughout Scripture many warnings about being led astray by alcohol. So much so that there are very wise people that would say, I, for me, will never touch it. I will not do it. And those people should not be ridiculed or led into... We, we should leave them alone with their convictions. Right? It's not, it's not a neutral topic. It's something that requires some sort of response. And I would put out there, as just as a sense of comparison, when we're thinking about something that affects chemical reactions in our brain, I don't think that it's too far of a stretch to say... Maybe, just maybe, we need to think about this. And is this actually worth it? Do we need to engage in this? Is this going to give us an open door for the Gospel? Is this the best use of my time? That's something that I believe prayerfully we all have to consider between us and the Lord. So, I've kind of given you all of all of those things. Um, now moving on, and I, I I will try to move through this really quickly. I appreciate your attention span. It's probably because you're not looking at your phone. <laughs> but I will say, I don't know where Amanda Boyer is. I see Keith. She met. Uh, oh, she's setting up lunch. Okay. She was, she was thinking, apparently she and others were thinking about telling you all ahead of time to not pay attention to anything and to have your phone and just be looking at it while I'm trying to talk to you today. <laughs> that would have been very clever if she would have been able to pull that off before, <laughs> without me finding out about it. But, uh, so, here's the thing. If social media is worth it, then what wisdom can be applied? Alright? If social media is worth it, then what wisdom can be applied? Paul in Colossians was asking for prayer that he might know exactly how he ought to speak. He was aware that there are no words that don't have consequences and that he needed the Lord's help to take the words that he had and to share the truth of Christ. I believe that's a direct attitude that we should have about what we post on social media. Also, be very careful about private conversations online or by text. Okay, Be very, very careful. When you and I are communicating just by text, we can't see each other's reactions. 
We can't immediately come back and, and dialogue back and forth. And so, I mean, here's a, a really good tip of advice. If it's of anything important, I suggest that you not send it electronically. If you are angry with somebody, please don't send it. You'll regret it. If you if you have a serious topic to discuss with somebody, go meet them at a time where you don't have time constraints. That now that that's just some advice here, okay? So also make sure that our devices are open for inspection. All right? Parents, please, please hear me. This is your responsibility with your kids if you choose to let them have a device. And this is probably going to anger some people. If you are not actively and joyfully looking at your kids behaviors their online interactions their search history their their hidden folders in their phones their social media interactions who are they talking to what are they talking about and if you're not lovingly giving them guidance and oversight i say this with a great big hug and uh, i love you but you're being negligent okay I know that's hard words. You, this is your responsibility. These are your kids. As a church, we've got to also be looking out for one another and not be so offended if we have to come to one another and say, hey, I saw this online. Um, do you know about that? What, what's going on? Do you need some help? Can I pray with you? All of those things. We've got to be prepared to do this. And I want to say this too. Um, all right. Please please hear me out. Snapchat I'm just going to throw that out there and just say folks this is I'm not standing up here and now saying the apostle Paul says delete Snapchat. Okay? I cannot say that thus says the Lord thou shalt not have Snapchat. There's something very weird and I'm going to argue very dangerous and wrong about promising somebody that you can keep a secret and that you can be promised that something will disappear within a minute and nobody will ever have to know. That just sends chills just thinking about that. And they have Snapchat for kids and adults. I don't know. To me, it sounds super creepy and it sounds super dangerous. I would really, really, really question the wisdom with Snapchat. I really would. And by the way, that whole this is private, secret, nobody will ever see it is a lie. If you talk to anybody that's in IT or law enforcement or anything, they'll be like, yeah, it's just a gimmick to get people to post all these inappropriate things because all of that stuff can still be accessed. You may not be able to pull it back up. I can. At the sheriff's office, they can still pull it back up. It's all stored somewhere. It doesn't just disappear. And why do we really need stuff like that to disappear? What exactly are you sending? 
What are you hiding? There's no need for it. That's, that's just some thoughts, right? So think about that. Now I want to talk to the kids. It's so important, kids. Please listen to this. Don't annoy your parents about wanting to be on social media or having a phone or having a device. And you're like, oh man, you, you, you know, you say that while you're preaching from an iPad? Seriously? But, <laughs> but kids, don't annoy your parents with Mom, I want a phone. I want a phone. I want Snapchat. I want all this. I want Instagram or whatever, TikTok, whatever all of that stuff is. Don't be annoying to your parents. And if your parents tell you no, you can't have that, please listen to this. It will not hurt you for your parents to say no that you can't have this. I will tell you what will hurt you if you're under your parents' authority. This is what will hurt you, is being angry with your parents, being bitter, going behind their back and sneaking and doing other things, annoying them, pestering them until they give in, which they shouldn't give in, but some do. That's just reality. Those things will cause you great harm. So don't do them. Instead, pray for your parents. They have to make very difficult decisions. I'm not talking only to 9-year-olds. I'm talking to 17-year-olds. Pray for your parents. If they make the wrong decision, it's their responsibility. But you will not be hurt if they say in our home, this is what we're, this is what we're going to do and this is what we're not going to do. Pray for them. Trust them. And obey them when they give you good, godly advice for your own good. Right? Amen? Amen. Don't be bitter toward them. So practical thoughts about posting, and I apologize for the length of this. I'm just going to rapid fire some of these things for questions. There's going to be some, some just... Hopefully some thoughts that are derived from wisdom from the Scripture, and then there's going to be some Scripture passages that I think really apply. Are we aware that we might be self-promoting? In our post, who's the star of the story? Is everything about me? And I don't have a six-pack, if you can't tell. But is it about me and you know, you know, my great figure? If so, don't post it. That's ridiculous. Right? Um, sorry, that probably will distract you the rest of the time, and that wasn't the intent, right? Um, what should our response be whenever we see that in ourselves, right? If, we're, if we look back and say, oh man, everything here is about how wonderful I am and how wonderful I, how smart I am, how good looking I am, you know, about, you know, the guns that I'm walking around with and all of that other stuff or what I had for dinner or, you know, whatever that might be. What does that say about us and why are we involved in that? Does that open the door for the gospel? I don't know, maybe, I don't know, but it sure does seem a lot like selfish pride. Do we communicate that we love our brothers and sisters? Is that obvious? He says right here um, in this passage to be very wise before outsiders. Don't forget, 
that Jesus said, by this the world will know that the Father has sent the Son. If you have love for one another, is that obvious on social media? Hopefully. So do communicate that you love your brother and sister. Get this. Here's something that sets Christians apart. Their love for one another, but also and especially their love for their enemy. What about that text about Joe Biden? What about that snarky little meme about the LGBTQ plus community? Was it careless? Was it spoken in love? Does it really serve your lost neighbor? Those are things we got to ask. Do the people that hate us, do they see our love on display in social media? That this right here is really I'm I'm telling you this is going to be a big one. Are how do we interact about things that we can't even change? Things that we have absolutely no control over. Are we engaged hotly in this debate about this female Bible teacher that says some wacky stuff and we find it our personal mission to destroy her? Meanwhile, we have people living in our own home that don't hear and see the Gospel from us. And we have people in our own family why is it really worth it? If our motive is to destroy somebody, then we need to repent and probably delete our accounts. Do we communicate that we love our enemies? Do we communicate that we're forgiving in the same way that God, that God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us? Are we more concerned about the speck of dust in somebody else's eyes instead of the log in our own eye? Are we sitting there and calling people out? Are we doing the POV, the point of view or whatever I think is what that means? And we're telling people our opinion. We just, I want to put it out there for discussion. Anybody else? But what does the scripture say about things like that? Well, the Scripture says a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. I'm just throwing this comment out there. This is my opinion. Let's discuss. And we just put it out there for permanent record. Is it worth it? It seems wise to to refrain from engaging in confrontation on serious matters virtually. I, I would just say, is it really worth it? You know, if you go out there and you find this famous Bible teacher that they've done something stupid or they've said something stupid, is the world really going to be different because you chimed in? Probably not. I, 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 the people in this room are probably not going to be affected, and the, and God works through the local church. Do we really need to engage in this? Probably not. If you see somebody sitting next to you being led astray by some crazy whack teaching, go to that person and be like, "Hey, what you're doing is whack. 
Do you realize that? I love you. Come here for a second. Let me show you why I think it's whack. You know, I mean, just... But is somebody really going to be helped by us making a blog post about how awful this person is and why you shouldn't follow them and why they're in error and all of... I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe the Lord does call some people to do that, but... You have to approach stuff like that with fear and trembling, and I would call and, and ask yourself why? Why do I have to do this? Why? Why do I want to do this? You know, don't engage in serious matters online. So there's a staff member I work with. I supervise this person, and um, and they they they're used to sending me whenever I say something and that sort of thing. They uh, they think about it, which I appreciate. And when they disagree with me, which I appreciate, they're used to that evening I can expect an email like this long of exactly why they've thought. And here's all the points of the error of everything that I've said and they just wanted to put it in an email form. And so now it's kind of, now we're on such good terms because I said, I want you to know I want you to disagree with me. And please bring it to me. But don't send in an email. Come talk to me about it. I'm okay. Keep your notes or whatever. But let's talk about this and let's dialogue back and forth. I would say, brothers and sisters especially, if it's something of importance, go to one another. Go to one another. If you have a problem with somebody in the church, if you have a problem with the church leadership... Please don't take to online matters and do an online rebuke or you know a passive aggressive form of I'm going to make a post of somebody here that agrees with me and I'm going to hope that people at church see it because it supports my position and I'm going to do that and hope that other people get on my side and then maybe they can war against the people at church that don't see things the same way. Yeah, that kind of stuff happens. It's evil. Passive aggression is is evil. Don't don't engage in those sort of practices. Are we engaged in gossip and slander? Um, you know what what is what is it? But Philippians two fourteen and fifteen. Check this out. This applies to social media. Do all things without grumbling or complaining that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. What about that political party post? Are you complaining about a government official? Last night, I was wrong. I was complaining about a government official sitting at the table. Thank God I didn't post any of that online. But uh, all I was doing is grumbling or complaining. Don't do that. We shouldn't do that. Don't get involved. Well, we already talked about Proverbs 18.2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. 2 Timothy 2.23. Don't get involved in senseless arguments or controversies. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. So why do we waste our time with it? Don't give full vent to your anger. Colossians 3.8 Now you must rid yourselves of all things such as these. 
anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Ephesians 4.29 Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit all who listen. Do you hear that? Don't let any unwholesome tweet come off of your fingers. Ask yourself, is this going to help or is this going to destroy? If your motive is to destroy, don't do it. Think about it. Pray about it. Lord, are you calling me to destroy this person? Uh, it sounds funny, but you know the, the real thing is that that whole thing about what Jesus says, you know, you've heard it said, do not murder. But if you hate in your heart, you're guilty of murder. That what Jesus said is true, by the way. And you and I go about, I'm guilty, right? We go about murdering people every day. We do. Let's call it for what it is. That's, that's exactly what it is. So, here's this. Here's a professor from Southern Seminary. You were waiting for me to quote somebody. His name's Dustin Ben. She's like, oh, he does something there. I think he teaches. I think he's like uh, IT, social media. I don't know. He does something. He's a really wise man, the, the words that I've heard him say. Um, and he, he says, before you hit that post button, now get this. Ask yourself, is this post fostering maturity, doctrinal stability, gospel fidelity, discernible living, loving vocabulary, Christ-like growth, church-wide equipping, and spiritual building? And if the answer is no, it would be more profitable for you to delete your account than to go viral in the court of human opinion. Such good wisdom. Such good wisdom there. We should ask with whether or not what is being said has to be said, and if it has to be said, must it be said in some sort of public online format? Or is there a better way? And part of this is, and you know, some of us have been meeting at the Blunt's house and go through a study, we talk about this, we just... We don't talk to one another. We don't confront one another. We don't restore one another. All of that. And that's how I'm going to end it here in just a second. Um, consider the... as a, In thinking through this topic, Scott, have you ever noticed whenever you read Paul's writings, there's this kind of desire within him. Now... I hope that I can plant this idea in your mind and I hope that it I hope that it annoys you to the point where you're you know you're really annoys in a good way I guess provokes you to love and good works uh, we'll put it that way right You know in Paul's writings he said you know I'm writing you this but basically I can't wait to see you face to face 
I'm sending this text, but my heart's desire is to be with you. I don't think it's a stretch to say in the New Testament, in the Gospels we see, you search through the Scriptures diligently because you think that in the text itself, in the text is eternal life. But eternal life is knowing Jesus in a personal, personal relationship. Knowing Him, not just words on a page. Yes, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. Amen. But words on a page have never saved anybody. Jesus Himself saves. Right? Paul's desire was not, here's a letter, here's a tweet, be warm and be well fed. He said, no, I can't wait to see you face to face. I can't get here right now. I'm sending these, these people over here. They're going to come see you to be with you face to face. Do you see that in the New Testament? I hope that you see that now. And this is how I think this applies. If you're on social media, if you text or whatever, pray and ask the Lord to give you a real heart's desire to actually move that relationship from the screen to actual FaceTime. And no, I'm not talking about Apple FaceTime. Actually being face-to-face with somebody and gathering together. For some of us, that probably means, you know, if you have a thousand friends on Facebook, Facebook's lying to you. They're not your friends. A person can't have a thousand friends. Not really. I don't know how in the world you'd have time to have such meaningful relationships with a thousand people. I mean, I just maybe four or five. Misuse of the word friend. They're lying to us. It's a lie. They're not really friends. They're not. So finally this. I know I've said finally several times. I would like to come back to, in a group this size, there's probably people in this room who are caught in the trap of sin through social media. Um, It's highly likely that somebody here today is involved in unwholesome, pornographic, or just other unwise uses of social media. Two responses that I'd like to make to this. You need to leave this. You you do need to leave this. Please, step out of the darkness behind the screen and leave this. You you will be happier in Jesus. You will. Um, I know it's scary, but there there is no one... (laughs) There is no one like our Lord who stands ready to forgive and ready to heal and ready to restore. And I know that makes me sound like a prosperity gospel preacher. But Jesus truly is in the saving 
work. He came to save us from our sins. You do need to leave this sin right now. And then, and I, I hope that throughout, I hope this sticks with you and that, that you come to the Lord and that if you're not saved, that you confess your sin, you repent of your sin and you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Maybe you are maybe you are a Christian and maybe you are just you've you've clicked on some buttons and you've fallen enemy to one of the traps by your own carelessness, your own doing. We're not going to place the blame on somebody else. You had responsibility in it, but now you're trapped. Okay? Um, come to Jesus. Be forgiven. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise. Those are words that you can hang your hat on. Right? But here's something else I want to say in closing. I won't say finally. This is a big deal. Uh, As Christians, as Christians, please hear this. God calls the rest of us who are not in this trap right now. We're probably in some other sort of trap. Right? That's why we all need one another. I believe Paul Tripp is on to something whenever he says that we're people in need of change, helping people that are in need of change. Right? Um, as God's people, God calls you and me to be the kind of people that whenever somebody, maybe even here today, comes to us and says, I've got to leave this. I'm trapped. That you don't fall over in the floor gasping your heart and somebody comes over and starts doing CPR. Okay? Because they think you've, you've died. Right? We've got to be the kind of people that say, absolute, whatever sin it is, I want you to know that I'm a trusted brother or sister And God has called His church to be the instrument by which restoration takes place with great patience. With prayer, sometimes with tears. Now, I'm not saying be like, oh, it's okay. Everybody struggles with that. That would be a disaster. Don't do something like that. But listen. And with great patience and wisdom and love be an agent of restoration if there's somebody in this camp that comes to you and says, I'm trapped in sin. I'm terrified. It terrifies me to say this. But would you pray with me? Would you help me? What do I do? And then don't be that legalistic I hate using the word, but I'm going to use it just so that you can understand what I'm trying to say. Don't be a hatred, self-righteous jerk that presents yourself like you have no faults. That somehow you are the vicar of Christ. You're not. You are a brother or sister in need of God's grace every day just like every single person in this building.
Amen? Praise God.